Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Elemental Evan podcast. Thank you all so much for joining me today. This is your host, Evan Roberts. And on this show, I break down complex health topics from a holistic perspective. And on today's episode, I am joined by the one and only Dr. Laura Hayes. She is a board certified emergency physician, as well as a certified health coach, which I personally think is so awesome to see a blend of the two because there's a lot of benefit in both of these roles and being able to bring them together, in my opinion, is super valuable. And on today's topic, we are going to cover quite a few different things, but the main underlying thing is definitely going to be stress and really our ability to recognize stress as well as our ability to manage our stress, which I really cannot stress enough how important stress actually is in our health and how important it is for us to get a hold on this problem. Now, on top of that, I love to have Dr. Laura Hayes on here because since she is a legit doctor, it's really cool for me to run some topics and questions that are probably not things you would normally hear a doctor talk about. Things like stress, which yes, is in the medical field and people are talking about it, but it's not always a super common topic. And on top of that, there are tons of other things that we get into that I highly doubt you would hear your average doctor talking about, which I really love to get her opinion on. I feel that she brings a really fresh perspective that's definitely obviously steeped in a lot of years of studying and really cool to have her back up a lot of these things that I've been talking about for a really long time but it's cool to just really get a professional opinion here on the show to back a lot of these things up. And before we jump in to the episode today, I also wanted to mention to go ahead and check out the show notes for all of the sponsors and people that are affiliated with this show that help keep this show up and running. Check out all of the different products they have. There's some incredible stuff in there. And of course, I get a discount code for all of you with these affiliated brands. I use most of these products weekly because I love them so much and they actually work for me, which is huge. I really will not sponsor something that I do not believe in. So therefore, I'm only bringing you the things that I feel actually work and are of benefit and worth your time and money. And plus, it is a great way for you to check out some of the things that I talk about a lot of the time on this show and see for yourself what benefits they hold. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this really awesome conversation with Dr. Laura Hayes. I know y'all are going to love it and be sure to stay tuned to the very end of this episode so that you can get the actionable steps as well so that you can go ahead and apply all of the knowledge that's found in this episode into your life today and start making some changes to your life. Alrighty, y'all. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, how's it going, Dr. Laura Hayes? Welcome to the show. Hi, Evan. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super happy to have you on the show. I've uh, listened to a few of your episodes, done a little bit of research on you, and, and I feel like we have a lot of topics in common and things that personally I want to dig deep on and, and pick your brain on. So I'm really excited for today's episode. Um, overall, I love starting all of these episodes typically off with kind of a background of what drove you into the health and wellness field. For myself personally, it was gastrointestinal issues as a child that um, largely shaped a lot of kind of what I'm doing now and and is a big why for uh, the work that I do. So uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing 
how, what what led you into this field and and all that good stuff? Sure, happy to share. I'll try to keep it the abridged version for you. Um, I grew up in New England, and my dad is a retired OBGYN, so kind of grew up with medicine in my family. And my mom was a teacher, so had that service element all around me as a kid. And I was always really fascinated in humans and science. Science was sort of what I was good at, and so I think I gravitated toward that as I went through schooling and such. And then probably you know, later when I went to college, I had a little bit of a different path. I decided initially that I wanted to go into science-based field, or I thought I wanted to be a doctor, but then halfway through my college career, I actually pivoted and I ended up uh, transferring to art school, actually. And I uh, embarked on an education and then later a career in photography. So that took me uh, to some interesting places. And eventually I kind of came back around and thought, yeah, this has been great, but I still have this need or this feeling, this value of service to others in this way. So uh, long story short, I you know, ap applied to medical school and I got in, I went to medical school in Boston and, and then deciding on emergency medicine specifically, that came a little bit later on. There were a lot of things that appealed uh, to me with emergency medicine. Specifically, I really enjoyed the notion of knowing a lot about everything instead of knowing everything about one main topic. Um, so so yeah, that's kind of what brought me into emergency medicine. And then over this last few years, as I'm sure you can understand and have your own stories through the COVID pandemic, um, I was in a leadership role for my uh, at my hospital and you know, dealt with a whole series of different stressors that came about during those last few years. And uh, eventually my husband and I kind of started talking about ways in which we could still be of service to others, still be doctors, but what else could we offer? What else were we kind of finding was our purpose? And that led us down this little bit more health coaching and consulting realm that we're, we're doing now. We're still both practicing emergency medicine clinically, but we have a stronger focus now on this kind of other passion of ours. And that's where we birthed our podcast. And that's been really fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, sorry, it was a little bit longer, but that's, that's my story. And that's what brought me here today. No, absolutely. Uh, happy to hear it. And I'm sure that is the short version, which I thought it was actually very concise because I did a whole episode on mine. So I know uh, there's there's a lot that goes into it, right? We see, we typically see the outcomes. We don't see all of the hard work and, you know, different forks in the roads that really took us to where we're at. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah, and so you have a, a, health, uh, a health coaching program, is that correct? Called uh, Lasting Impact Wellness Group? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. So it kind of started... We would be working in the emergency department and patients would say to us, you know, humbly, I, I, I guess I tell you the story humbly that patients would say, you know, hey, can you be my doctor? Can, you know, you explain this in a way that was never explained to me before, or now I understand X, Y, or Z. And it, lots of times it wasn't even really pertinent to why they were in acute need at the time, why they were actually in the emergency department. But, um, and my husband would get the same types of comments and questions and you know, again, we would come home and talk about these things. And, um, and I have a long background in yoga. I've been teaching yoga for about 25 years now. And so again, we kind of, we started thinking about this of how can we start helping people be healthier 
and maybe avoid needing the acute sick care, um, you know, or at least postponing that. So how can we add value to people's lives before they meet us in the emergency department, essentially? And of course, you know, things happen, things come up, emergencies are emergencies and uh, traumas and, you know, illness and things like that. Of course, they happen. But um, that was sort of the precipice for this whole next course or this next chapter in, in our careers and in our lives. And it's been it's been great. I mean, even just having a podcast, Evan, you, I'm sure you experienced this. You just get to talk to interesting people and learn. We learn so much, you know, as you start to embark on a new journey yourself, you you learn so much in the process while you're trying to teach others about things too, which is really fascinating and, and, and neat. Yeah. it's uh, I'm, I'm a constant student all the time and it's a treat having people on like you. So I can honestly just be a student <laughs> and just learn. Um, but I will say one thing I really loved hearing about, I guess I would say, I think it's the six core concepts of your health coaching practice. And all of them were great. I love and agree with all of them, absolutely. And one of them that I really liked, and it's something I don't think you usually see in a health coaching program, is the 360 awareness, right? Like awareness of not you know, everything about you all around you. And um, personally, I, I, like, I have my own ideas and you know uh, concepts around this awareness, but I would love for you to kind of break down what that means and why that would be in a health coaching practice? Yeah, great question. And that's honestly, in my opinion, I'm not sure what my husband Parker would say, but probably shares the same sentiment that that's the most important one. Um, I really feel that that is the foundation for your well-being. And it's it's it encompasses a lot. So the reason we call it this 360 awareness is because it's not just about knowing yourself or taking that introspective view, learning your ins and outs, learning your intricacies, what makes you who you are, understanding your body signals, your mind signals, how the mind and body are connected. So that's part of it. And that's the internal awareness part. But then in a lot of researchers and studies and lay people use the term external awareness. So they differentiate between internal awareness, which is what I just mentioned, but then external awareness. And we don't mind the term external awareness, but I prefer that term expanded awareness or 360 degree awareness because it's not just taking the view from the outside in. It's really about widening that aperture, looking all around and seeing, you know, how are you perceived by others? I mean, you're your words, your actions, those impact all the people around you every day, every time you have an interaction, every time you open your mouth. So how are those impacting other people? And a lot of people have one or the other. Maybe they're very self-aware internally. They understand what they stand for. They know their values, their belief systems, and they understand their physical cues, their emotional cues, all of those things. But that same person could be very lacking in this more expanded or 360 awareness. And um, and then the, the reverse is also true. Maybe you do have a better understanding of how others perceive you, but you don't really understand those connections within yourself. So again, that's that's kind of a brief description of it. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have about it. I can elaborate more, but that's really the crux and the foundation of it all. And and we really believe that, especially from a medical background and being physicians, that's where you can understand what your body needs and what your body is trying to tell you. Um, you know, we talk a lot in our practice about red flags. You know, 
when your body is sending you a signal, your body is putting up these little red flags saying, hey, something's going on here. I think you should be paying attention to this. And so having that deeper self-awareness is about pausing, acknowledging those red flags, seeing them for what they are, and then trying to interpret them and what they mean, and, and then making a plan to move forward. Yeah. So the, well, I guess I should say my preconceived ideas and stuff on the awareness portion, um, mainly we're definitely focused on the internal aspect of it. Um, one thing I always talk about is in terms of digestive health, because that's something I have dealt with and it's something I focus with. And realistically, I think your body is a feedback system and it's constantly letting you know when you know, you're hot, you're going to sweat right? When you're cold, you're going to shiver. And when you eat a food that doesn't agree with you, you're going to have an upset stomach. You're going to, you know, have, have to be run into the bathroom, whatever it might be. Right. And so, um, that was my idea was like with awareness, I, I see, and I was in this boat where you would eat these foods that tasted delicious, but then you would just kind of like ignore the aftermath. You know, it was like, your body is speaking to you literally like this is a discomfort because you did something that was, you know, not meant to be absorbed or it does not agree with the body, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, I, I know so many people personally who still deal with this, you know, and, but to them, it's just normal. And it's, it's just kind of like, well, it, you know, Hey, when you eat food, you get bloated and blah, blah, blah. And, and so, um, to me, one of the biggest things is trying to get people to be aware of when they're eating and, and, for me, it's slowing down, not eating so fast. I used to eat like someone was going to steal my food kind of deal. Uh, so I, I really had to learn to uh, slow down and be a little bit more present with the food I was eating. Um, maybe not mixing so many foods at the same time to kind of start dialing in on what it was that was affecting me. Um, and so, yeah, we can obviously go on that topic, but I love the external portion of awareness as well because... Uh, as we both know, relationships are, and it's also another core concept there for you, um, but relationships are huge. They're one of the most important factors. We see it in the blue zones where it plays a huge role in our longevity and uh, ultimately, I mean, just adding value to your life as well, right? So um, if you are not aware of how you are coming off to everyone else around you, you might not have very good relationships, you know? Um, so I think that was really nice. Uh, I, I really enjoyed that you you added that piece in there. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is when you think about your internal awareness, you made me think of the phrase connecting the dots. It's It's really trying to assess and analyze what your body's telling you. You mentioned, you know, you eat something and then maybe you're in the bathroom 20 minutes later. Well, being more self-aware is the ability to pause and take a look and see if there is a connection. Maybe there's not a connection. It's not to say every time you get the runs, it's because of that one thing you ate, but looking for the connections there. And similarly, you know, I guess I could extrapolate that to the external awareness piece too. It's kind of understanding why you may be getting the consistent reaction that you get from people when you think you're saying something one way or coming across a certain way, but maybe you're never, maybe you're not getting the promotion that you really feel you deserve, or you're pissing off a lot of people at work or your, your family or something. And, you know, being able to make that connection of, 
well, hey, wait a minute, why does this seem to keep happening to me? And just being able to pause and it's more about even taking a more of an objective view, if you will, taking your own kind of emotion and attachment out of it and saying, okay, let me just, again, widen that aperture and see things a little bit more objectively um, as a whole. Yeah, I, and it's a really difficult thing to do. You know, it's it's easy for us. Yeah, it's it's easy to point fingers, right? And and place blame elsewhere. It's a lot harder to take a look at yourself and say, now, hold on, <laughs> could I be doing something wrong? Because obviously, uh, pointing a finger requires no uh, change on your end, you know, and so you can continue doing what you have been doing. Um, but whereas if you actually turn it around and look at yourself, it's a lot more work. And, and I think that's important. We should do the self work and, and it starts with that awareness. So, um, yeah, I really love that one. And, and I also love that you included, um, a finance concept in there as well. Uh, for me, I think, uh, you know, I don't usually talk about finances too much either. And, and I know you mentioned, you're like, hey, yeah, we're not like financial experts or anything, but it plays, it does play a massive role in health as well, because, uh, that can be directly related to, for example, um, a, st a stress response, right? That could be activating the sympathetic nervous system at various times in the day when you're worrying about paying certain bills or, you know, wherever the money needs to be. Um, so I think it's excellent that you added that in there. And is, is that the main reason you added in there was because of like that stress response or, or what, what did you feel was uh, the reason for adding in the finance portion? Yeah, it's, it's mostly that. It's how our financial stability or our impression of our own financial stability really impacts the other parts of our health. As you mentioned, if you are feeling like you don't have financial stability, for example, then maybe you are going to be putting in the extra hours at work and that's going to lead to more stress and reduce sleep and burnout. Uh, there's also the consideration of the socioeconomics of it too, of, you know, how, how can you really eat healthy or make more conscious food choices when you are having to be more aware and cognizant of your financial practices and maybe you can't afford to eat organic or you can't afford certain things and your default is to head up the fast food restaurant that is really affordable for a lot of people. So it's really and again you I'm glad you I'm glad you prefaced this with saying that yes, we do not claim to offer financial advice, but it's we wanted to acknowledge that it's a part of well-being. It just is. And um and I think with if we hadn't acknowledged it, then it would almost sort of be the elephant in the room. So it allows us with our clients and people we work with to say, hey, let's just think about this piece. We don't have to dive into it. We're not gonna be your financial planners or figure out what's lacking or what's in excess. It's just a matter of saying, hey, we acknowledge that this may or may not be playing a role in your particular well-being. And then how can we, how can we work with you to optimize that part of your well-being as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I truly do think it is such an important uh, aspect of, of life. And, and yeah, and, and it plays a massive role in our health. And in terms of stress, too, it's, I, I think it's kind of this uh, like domino effect where if, you know, money is an issue, then it stresses you out. And then maybe you're not sleeping as well at night. And then now you're not sleeping well at night. And, you know, and, and now you're not getting the recovery benefits and you're not getting all this. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they're all obviously connected. Um, but I think really a key core concept is the, uh, the stress level. And this is personally a topic I'm 
very big on. I love talking about it, and um, I, I know you're well-educated on it. So um, would you mind walking us through just kind of the role stress plays in our life? I mean, I know not all stress is bad, um, but yeah, please just take the floor and, and uh, show what role uh, stress has been playing in the health of everyone, basically. Sure. It's, wow, what a huge topic, right? <clears throat> um, and, you know, I, I come at stress from many different levels. I'm human, of course, like we all are, and we all experience stress to some degree. I also, I think, have a somewhat unique um, perspective in that I am on the front lines of emergency medicine, which is this whole another you know, stressful situation and kind of how I've learned to navigate that over the years. But stress, like you said, it's it's a part of life. It's a part of everybody and not all stress is bad. When we think about stress, acute stress is different than chronic stress. And this is something that I'm sure your listeners have contemplated before or heard heard you talk about even. But acute stress is not bad. It's that's what helps us move. You know, that stress response is what gets you in motion. It gets you doing something. It produces an action. So acute stress isn't bad. That's what helps us get out of bed in the morning. It's what helps you put one foot in front of the other when you're afraid to go out on stage and give your presentation. It's what helps you get dressed and walk out the door for a first date. You know, those little surges of acute stress are, are good and they're helpful to us even. And it's the chronic stress situations that are detrimental to our health, that have, have long-term health effects um, on our bodies, on our minds, on everything. And I guess I can kind of rewind and talk a little bit about kind of how that stress response happens, if, if you allow me the floor to go through a little bit of the physiology. So essentially, your body senses a threat, and that can come in many different forms. You can see something, hear something, feel something. It's just one of your senses picks up on a threat. And then that threat is interpreted by the amygdala, which is a part of your brain that processes emotion. And once it's processed that as a threat, it essentially starts this cascade of neurotransmitters and chemical release throughout your body that tells your body, you need to do something. There's an action that needs to be done right now to protect you from this threat. And your hypothalamus kicks into gear, it sends signals to the pituitary gland, which sends signals to the adrenal gland, and then your adrenal gland starts pumping out adrenaline or epinephrine, and then that's sort of the acute, really fast acting stress hormone that comes out. And then after that happens and produces all of its effects to rev you up, then cortisol starts to be produced when your body says, okay, this threat is not going away. I need a little more, I need a little more oomph. Um, so it's really when we talk about the stress response, and there are more players involved, but the two main ones are going to be your adrenaline and your cortisol. And the effects that that has on your body, we can all imagine, right? If we all pause for right now and just think of a stressful situation, bring some to mind, you can almost even start to feel that feeling come on. And again, it's a protective mechanism. It's we're designed as very complex creatures and we're designed for these things to protect us. So, you know, these this sympathetic response or this drive and the stress response is really designed to shunt blood to the necessary organs that get you to move. So it's going to take blood away from your digestive tract. It's going to shunt it out to your muscles, to your heart, to make your heart pump faster. And it's going to 
constrict some blood vessels and vasodilate others. It's going to make your respiratory rate increase. So you're breathing faster. Your pupils dilate. Um, it can show up as people can get goosebumps or, you know, all, all kinds of sort of that adrenaline surge that we can all relate to and identify. But the thing about stress is if you don't allow it time to for that system to come down or neutralize or regulate in some way and it stays in this sort of on state all the time that's when it becomes problematic that's when our our physical bodies start to say look this isn't good for me i you know i can't you can't do that forever and we see that come up in our stressful lives these days you know we are walking around with a to-do list that's a mile long and we have tons of roles and responsibilities that are with us all the time and i mean gosh just even being connected better to one another having the internet having social media all of that stuff it's wonderful in so many ways when it comes to connection but it's added a lot more chronic stress to a lot of people so I guess I'll kind of stop there and let you comment or chime in or ask a question. But really, when we're talking about stress being harmful to us or harmful to our health and our well-being, it's that chronic state of stress that we're referring to, not those acute stress states that are helpful and purposeful and need to be there. It's, it's that chronic, you know, shoulders up a little bit, closer to your ears all the time, um, you know, the things that we can, we can all imagine. And so what would you say are some of the commonly associated health risks with chronic uh, stress? Good question. So many. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, everything. I mean, if you think about the short-term effects, um, you know, poor sleep, poor interpersonal relationships, poor food choices, um, you know, those are kind of the more immediate things, but then long-term, you know, stress has effect on our cardiovascular system, on our arteries, our heart, our, you know, our insulin and glucose regulation. It has an impact on our immune system and our ability to heal and heal our wounds and avoid getting sick. So, I mean, it really affects every single system in our body. I mean, stress has been linked to certain types of cancers. It's been linked to anxiety and depression. A lot of chronic stress can also play a role now. We're discovering in Alzheimer's and diseases that people develop later in life. So it's it's really something that has become kind of a buzzworthy topic nowadays, but it, it really does have lasting impact on your health and on your life if, if it's left unmanaged, really, uh, for too long. Yeah, and so th thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's... Um like the best explanation I think I've heard on the show. Uh, so very, very nicely put. Um, I was going to say in terms of uh, people who are super chronically stressed, I think personally, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm no professional here, but people that I feel are chronically stressed that I know in my life, a lot of them don't even know that they're chronically stressed. I think they've just had this as their baseline for such a long enough period of time that once again, it's it's their normal. It's the person that's eating the food that's causing them all the stomach issues and they just never pay mind to it because they think it's just a, you know uh, it's something that happens when you're digesting food. And so I see that with a lot of people 
personally that, you know, once again, I mean, I can't, like, I'm not testing them, but I see it, like you said, shoulders are up here. If you ever were to squeeze their shoulders, they're probably like rocks. Um, you know, they like are breathing in their chest. They're never taking a full belly breath ever. Uh, yeah, you, you, you can just completely see it even in their reactions and stuff. And so what would you say is the best way for someone to recognize that they're chronically stressed? And then, um, if they are, what would you recommend uh, in terms of trying to lower that stress? Wow. Well, that's a, it's a hard one. I mean, as you mentioned, a lot of us and I've myself included, I don't get this right all the time. And I have certainly struggled with times in my life where I have been chronically stressed. I mean, I mentioned COVID earlier. I mean, being an emergency physician and a director and chief chief of my department for those three years, um, that was a whole new level of stress. And it was chronic. It was three years straight, pretty much, and uh, almost resistant to my usual uh, mitigation and regulatory mechanisms, despite my efforts at them. So, um, you know, it is, it's hard to, it's hard to recognize. And a lot of us, kind of go through, we're on this autopilot mode, we have those mile long tasks and to do lists, like I mentioned, but we feel like we're managing them. And on a superficial level, we are managing them, we're getting the things done that need to be done, we're showing up at work, we're remembering the birthday, we're bringing the kids to school, we're making it to the after school events, we're getting the groceries, we're keeping our household tidy, we're doing all the things that are on that list, and then some. So it feels like we're managing them. We think we are. But that's also potentially the person who is more irritable. They're not showing up when the friends are having a get together. They're not sleeping great at night, or maybe they're sleeping okay, but it's because they're now having a glass of wine or a beer or a cocktail every night before they go to bed. And I guess I would say at some point, living in that chronic state of chronic stress is not sustainable. Something is going to pop up. That red flag somewhere is going to show up and it's just a matter of being willing to see it and being open to taking a pause in your life and saying, okay, let me step back and, and think about these parts of myself and what's happening. I think, Evan, honestly, one of the drivers for my interest in this well-being space, if you will, and my husband's too, is, you know, healthcare in general lacks resources in this area. You know, most primary care doctors that people see, you're going to maybe see your primary care doctor once a year for your regular checkup. They're going to order the basic labs on you. They're going to ask you, how much alcohol do you drink? Do you smoke? How much exercise are you getting? But in reality, unfortunately, the way the system is today, they have about 15 minutes to spend with you. And if you're seeing your doctor more regularly than that, then that might mean that's because you have an illness or you're having an acute need that you need to see them for. But there has not until probably the last decade or so has not been a lot of focus on preventative medicine and preventative care. And for me and a lot of others, that's where the space of well-being comes in. It's, it's not about necessarily what disease process do you have or what disease process are you at risk for? Yes, those are important, but it's how can all of these other parts that make you who you are, all these other aspects or arenas of your life, how are they 
either working for you or working against you right now at this moment in your life? And then how can we adopt some sustainable practices so that you can live healthy longer, right? It's not just about increasing our longevity and living longer. It's about increasing our health span and extending the number of healthy years that we have on this earth. Um, so sorry, I think I got off topic there, but, um, but again, I think it's more about just stepping back, taking a pause. And I think even the sort of core concepts of well-being, you can use those as a little inventory or a checklist to just say, how am I doing on my self-awareness? How am I doing on my fitness? How am I doing my nutrition? What's, what are my emotional and relationship circles like these days? Am I feeling socially connected? Am I feeling emotionally satisfied with where I am with my relationships? Um, you can even ask yourself about your financial stability. And then, you know, the, the other one that I don't think we've touched on at all, but, you know, how is my sleep? Am I giving myself some time to recover, to rejuvenate, to let all of these processes and things that are happening in my body throughout the day settle in at night when I'm sleeping and really do their work behind the scenes. So I think well-being and these concepts of well-being act and serve as a, as a good checklist for people. And that's probably, I mean, gosh, I think if you just checked in with yourself once every few months and ran that list of those six things, you'd probably be, be pretty good. Yeah, I think very good because uh, not many people are checking those. And uh, I was going to say for checking stress levels, and this is just what had worked for me personally, um, I had a phase of my life where I was just religious about meditating like multiple times a week. Uh, for a while there, it was every single morning, and it was incredible. Like The benefits are insane, highly, highly recommend, and I had taken a break away from it. I was getting super busy. And as they say, it's, it's, uh, the person that's the most busy that needs the most meditation. And so sure enough, um, sat down for a mindfulness practice. It was a tea ceremony. And during it, I noticed that first off my thoughts were all over the place. It was like hectic, 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 all the things I had to do. And I actually started physically sweating and like feeling so antsy. Like I had to get up and go do that stuff right then and there. And once that happened, I, I then was, you know, I, I looked at myself and I was like, okay, hold up. Why are you, why are you feeling like this right now? Because you know, this practice is only going to be like 20 minutes, you know? And so in the 20 minutes that you're here, you couldn't accomplish all this list that you're trying to do, right? Like it's literally going to make no difference in your day. And so then I, I sat with it for a bit and realized like, okay, like you're stressed. You just do some deep breathing, you know, and, and was able to kind of work through. And, and for me, that moment of like, no longer going through that mile long checklist and just sitting and actually paying attention to my inner being and not giving that energy and focus outwards to my phone or my computer or my work or whatever it may be, that gave me the opportunity to be like, hey dude, <laughs> you've been doing a lot. <laughs> you need to like chill for a second. And uh, yeah, so that, that was for me, my personal um, experience in recognizing not necessarily, I, I don't know if I would say it was chronic stress, but it was definitely a level of stress. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point because, you know, you said you were meditating a lot and I mean, it becomes a practice. It's called a practice for a reason. And you have to allow yourself some grace and some self-compassion to say, you know, I'm going to start this practice and I'm not going to get it perfect every time, but let's see if this helps. And 
one thing that I recommend to my patients, to my clients, to my friends, whoever will listen, um, is to just start with a really small digestible nugget. Like take 30 seconds of your day and just sit, just be by yourself, take a pause. I tell my kids, I use the term, take a beat. Like I just, I don't know where I got that from, but I just tell them like, girls, just like, let's just take a beat, you know? And we just kind of sit and it's like 30 seconds or a minute, you know, where you can just like be quiet, have some semblance of just being with yourself. And honestly, if you just did that for 30 seconds, I mean, you could set the little timer on your watch or your phone or something. And if you get to the end of that 30 seconds and you feel like, oh my gosh, that was impossible. I mean, it's only 30 seconds, you know? So I, I would I would encourage that person who gets to the end of 30 seconds and feels like, oh my gosh, that was just brutal. Well, you know, that probably is a practice that you should try to incorporate a little bit more. And maybe that's your sign or your signal that um, you're running uh, on, you know, adrenaline all day long. And maybe you need to just sort of whoo, slow it down a little bit. And I think, you know, I talked um, in one of the podcast episodes about just finding finding that practice that works for you. But it, again, it starts simple. I mean, we all go to the bathroom every day, multiple times. And we are, and myself included, I'll include myself in the we here. We are so used to just grabbing our phone, we go to the bathroom, we check our email, we're looking at social media, we're doing whatever. And like, I have to really remind myself to not do that. Like, like, why can't I just go to the bathroom for five minutes and not have my phone? Um, so I've really tried to incorporate that. And again, it sounds silly, but I've tried to incorporate that into my regular practice of engineering little moments of mindfulness throughout my day where I can just be present and then see what's coming up for me. Um, and the other practice that I think is helpful when I uh, teach my yoga class, I oftentimes will give them a little challenge at the end or a little assignment and say, okay, when you, you know, when you do this, when you go home, I want you to try this. And one of the things that I've recommended, and a lot of people have actually given me feedback, like, wow, that was amazing. I don't ever think to do that is I encourage them to drive home with no music and put the windows down. And it's like, it's amazing. It feels so invigorating and refreshing and you feel so connected to the world. And I mean, again, it sounds ridiculous sometimes when I hear myself say it, but try it. If you have never done that, it's, and it's so tempting. You maybe get like two minutes into your drive and then you want to put the radio on or you want to turn on the podcast or something. But um, if you can kind of really force yourself to just resist that urge, and especially when it's, the weather's great. And I mean, it just, there's something about that that will bring you into a state of mindfulness and being present. And, and it's, once you start practicing those moments, you'll find that they're a little bit easier to incorporate into your life. Yeah, and I think it's important for us to note that all of these distractions that are fighting for our attention, even if we notice that they're doing that or not, you know, like you were saying, even just the radio in your car, right? Like it's just a background noise, but it is, it's background noise. And the access to having music at the snap of your fingers was not there that long ago, you know, the pre the radio, I mean, they're really, you had to go physically see someone perform music in front of you to actually hear that or be able to sing yourself, you know? So, um, I think it's very important for us to know that a lot of the stuff we're going through right now, you know, um, in, in my personal opinion, obviously I don't know cause I 
can't travel back in time. But, um, you know, if you were to go back 150 years, it would be very different in terms of what I would think is the stress levels because you just, you didn't have as many things on your mind all the time. You know, it was, it was a little bit more uh, presence-based, I think. Yeah, it's that notion of kind of just bringing it back to basics. And I think even with nutrition and fitness, sometimes you just bring it back to the basics and that's a great place to start. Um, you know, what kinds of things were we eating back then? And we didn't have all this processed stuff. And even from a fitness standpoint, I mean, just go for a walk outside. That's, it's great. It's so good for you. You know, don't, sometimes I think as humans, uh, we all, we tend to overcomplicate things and sometimes simple uh, can be really nice and really healthy and uh, keep us well. Oh, absolutely. And uh, another thing that had came to my mind and, and I forgot to bring up was also the impact of uh, stress on our hormone levels too, because, you know, I know, especially, um, I mean, with men and women, but uh, I know very specifically with women, there is a very big, I would say, like, yeah, just a big issue with the hormone levels and being correct. I mean, I've come across so many people who have told me that they have had, you know, incorrect hormone levels. And of course, um, you know, being overly stressed and, you know, taxing the adrenal glands and all that, that's going to be playing a massive role as well. And um, yeah, I, I actually, I don't even know where I was going with that one, but I just was like, I wanted to make that point because I, I think it's, it's a massive one. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think it underscores the point that it's all connected. You can't separate the mind and the body. You, it's all connected in there. And all of the choices that you make throughout your life are going to affect some other part of you. Um, and, you know, that's a – And so I think – I'm glad you brought that up because it does – again, it underscores that point that it's all it's all connected. Yeah. And, uh, and then on top of that, too, you're a mother. And uh, obviously raising kids, while it is a, a great joy of life – it comes with its level of stress as well. And uh, is there anything going through even pregnancy or even having kids that you found was beneficial uh, for you in managing your stress or even just like tips in general for, for staying healthy and, and keeping the body healthy, uh, both mentally, emotionally, physically, uh, because yeah, they all play a role. And, you know, we always talk about, okay, take your prenatal, you know, while you're, you're pregnant or trying to conceive and then afterwards, it's kind of like, all right, all about the baby. Like, mother gets pushed to the side, you know? And, and um, you know, I think that it is shifting, and it's not always like that I'm generalizing that. But uh, what were some, like, practices you found to be beneficial? Gosh, well, <laughs> pregnancy is such a whirlwind of emotion and physical changes. It's just gigantic transformation in so many ways. And I think the key point I would make is that the healthier you are, the better equipped you are to care for your child and your family. And that means during pregnancy as well. I mean, I meet patients all the time as an ER physician who are pregnant and they're going through something and, you know, they're, they're very worried about the baby. And of course we have to consider the baby, but one thing we often talk about is, look, we need to make sure that you are the healthiest you can be right now. We Right now, we need to take care of you so that you can continue with this pregnancy, so that you can continue to be successful in this process. And um, so, again, I think I would say that that's kind of the main point is you, know, you got to take care of mom. And once if mom is taken care of and mom is healthy and mom's well-being is accounted for, 
then that's what's best for the child. And, you know, in the postpartum period in particular, gosh, I think this would be a much bigger topic than you want to get into right now. But just to keep it uh, generalized, uh, as you introduced it in that way, but, you know, mom's well-being is not just about self-care or you know allowing mom to go have a 15-minute nap or something yes those things are important but it's really about mom feeling supported and feeling acknowledged and accepting of her choices what she feels is best for herself or her baby you know there's so much guilt and pressure and expectation and comparisons that come with motherhood in general um, that it's it's a space that I'm glad is gaining a little more attention I think from just the world and society and the even the healthcare system but um, but yeah I think we probably all as a society need to give a little more attention to the well-being of mothers and I actually Evan if you'll let me uh, land you with a shameless plug here part of what we do at Lasting Impact I have developed this kind of side program, this is my baby, uh, pun intended, and it's called Changing Grace. And it's actually a well-being program designed specifically for moms. And it focuses on maternal well-being and takes into account some of these pillars of well-being, but it really uh, more so helps them move through a place where they may feel stuck in their identity or role as a mother. And while it's an important role, um, it helps them to recognize that they are more than uh, more than that and um, have a lot to offer themselves their family and the world around them so um, so yeah pretty passionate about that topic if you can't tell so I'm glad you brought it up but yeah yeah no and and also by the way uh, feel free to take the floor on this topic I mean I I think it's extremely important I would love to hear you go on about it and even um, just recently here I was listening to a podcast and you know talking about how uh, like the shame and guilt around uh, certain aspects of giving birth and being a mother and all this. And um, the podcast I was listening to, they were talking about how, you know, six months after having a baby, you know, everyone's like, okay, you know, when are you going to get back in shape or lose the, lose the weight and all this. Right. And it's like, first off, just gave birth to a literal human being living here, right? Like giving life. Um, so that's the first part of it. But also what I thought was interesting was um, they found that six up to six months after giving birth, um, and I can't remember if it was the caloric demand or like nutrient demand, but it was at or exceeding the levels of like world-class world class athletes. Y your body is demanding so much you know, I love and, and energy, uh, you know, and then we're over here like, oh, we need to get back in shape. No, 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 no. <laughs> you need to take care of your body and give it what it needs. Like this is six months after, you know, just giving birth. Um, so yeah, you go where, go where you want with that. But also, um, uh, if you want to continue down the path that you were going, feel free to as well. No, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's motherhood and postpartum and all that is a different experience for every woman. Of course, it's very unique and each woman has her own challenges and struggles. Um, you know, certainly when it comes to your physical health or your caloric needs, as you stated, you know, some of that does depend on if you're breastfeeding or not breastfeeding, for example. Um, you know, there's, there is more, you need more calories if you're burning them at that rate that you are when you're breastfeeding. Um, but it's just such a, I mean, that transition from 
never being pregnant to being pregnant and then that transition afterward afterward um you know it's it's a complete transformation in in your body i mean your hormones are all over the place and your body has just done something that still blows my mind even the fact that i've done it multiple times it's like crazy to think that that actually can happen um so you know there's definitely room for a lot more uh, self-compassion and kindness to ourselves when we are women going through that state. And again, I think a lot of it, um, what I would like to see, and I think a lot of other women would like to see is there being more uh, opportunity to have discussions like this, to talk about, you know, what is actually going on? What are those, you know, what are the expectations that we place on ourselves, but also society places upon us? And, you know, how do we, how do we counteract that? How do we say, look, that's not realistic, or I'm, you know, that's your opinion, it's not mine. And um, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting space. Um, I'm not, are you familiar with the word matrescence? Have you heard of that word, Evan? So I'm, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a, you know, specialist in this area, but there's this new accepted term called matrescence. And essentially, it's this term that describes the period of time after a woman gives birth and becomes a mother. And it sounds sort of phonetically similar to adolescence. And in adolescence, that, as you know, describes your transition from <clears throat> being a, a kid to an adult, essentially. And how our bodies go through so much physical change at that time, we go through so much hormonal change at that time, emotional change, right? It's such a huge time in our lives where so much is happening at once. And if you think about it, so what matrescence, or it's called matrescence, what that describes is really this period of time in a woman's life after she's you know, been pregnant and then given birth, where she's also going through a lot of physical changes, a lot of hormonal changes, emotional changes, where, again, things are kind of all over the place again. And I bring that up to say, sometimes when we label something, or we can give it a word, or we can give it an identity, um, it, it can open the door for discussion and research and um, bringing more awareness to the topic itself. So uh, yeah, you probably will hear that word coming up, you know, more so over the next few years, I would think. But um, I, I thought it was interesting when I first learned about it and, um, and how the, a lot of similarities uh, between adolescence and matrescence in a lot of ways. I absolutely love that. And thank you for enlightening me on that term. I, I just wrote it down and I'll probably like go get like a specific de specific definition for it because that's awesome. I, I think that's great. And um, yeah, like you said, putting a word to something can open up dialogue around it and kind of almost allow us to place like our, um, yeah, like the, the feelings and emotions within like a term. And so, um, yeah, that was really cool. I love that. Uh, yeah, no, the the whole topic of motherhood and giving birth, like you said, it is absolutely fascinating. Uh, requires another three podcast episodes because it is truly that fantastic, and that still probably wouldn't do it justice. Uh, but nonetheless, we are coming towards uh, the end of this episode, and uh, this is always like the worst part of the episode for me because it's, you know, I, I love having these conversations. And like I said, I've, I've got my notebook here. I am a student during these uh, taking notes. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. And um, I would love to open the platform for you now to 
leave our guests with any uh, last minute thoughts, any takeaways, as well as obviously, uh, please share where people can find you, your podcast, your program, all of that, because I know you have a lot to share. And um, I will absolutely be sure to put it in the show notes so everyone can access it quickly. But uh, if you want to just take the time and and really kind of go through that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, thanks, Evan. And as I mentioned, I think before we started recording, you know, being this podcasting world has been just so fascinating and interesting for me too, because you just get to meet people you may never meet in life. So it's been great. And it's been awesome chatting with you. Um, we do have our own podcast, which I would love to direct people toward. It's called Lasting Impact Wellness. And uh, it's hosted by myself and my husband. And we have, uh, we've interviewed some really fascinating guests. We interview sometimes other medical professionals about specific health and well-being topics, but it's all very relatable and digestible, approachable. And uh, we try to be pretty darn uh, science-based and outcomes-based and things like that. So uh, please go check that out. That's on Spotify or Apple or Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And there's also a link to it on our website, which is just lastingimpactwellness.com. And we are always open to meeting people and talking to people. So uh, you could certainly include our email address, which is just info at lastingimpactwellness.com. And uh, we've got some great programs that focus on optimizing uh, well-being and for individuals, organizations, and as I mentioned, my little side, my little side baby project, which I'm really passionate about, uh, called Changing Grace. So, yeah, thanks again, Evan, and uh, thanks for the opportunity for letting me uh, put that all out there too. That's great. Oh, absolutely, and uh, no, I, I I can hear the passion in your voice about yeah, your little baby. I love that, and uh, I I think it's so important. Like you were just saying, it's it's the conversation that needs to open up, and it's really. Um, the work that needs to be done, you know, it's, it's a pain point, uh, currently. And, and it's so cool to see that you're stepping up and doing something about it. So, um, no, I love that. And, uh, who knows, maybe in the future, we'll have you back on the show. Cause I feel like there's still like so much to cover and, uh, I really enjoyed having you on. So, uh, truly thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Evan. Anytime. Alrighty, y'all, you know, the motto of the show, it is do everything with good intentions and connect your elements. Have a great one. Y'all peace. Oh, what a good episode. Always a pleasure to have someone like Dr. Hayes on the show to bring a new perspective and shed some light on some of these topics that I probably am talking your ear off about. And nonetheless, it's really nice to hear someone with a different perspective and to bring some backing to these topics. Now, to quickly give you a few actionable steps here, I think the most important things here that we really focused on in this episode as Obviously, there were many topics and great things that we hammered on, but truthfully, I think that our stress levels and also our awareness are going to be the really key takeaways here. At least those were the big takeaways for myself. So what I would like to start off with is first with awareness. I think it's so important for us to really just take a moment to become aware of not only our outer experience and how we're being perceived by others, but also our inner experience and really aware of what our body is trying to tell us. This is something that I've tried to hit home on many, many times. And it's just so important for us to really get quiet and just be present with ourselves, especially when it comes to eating foods and really understanding how they're reacting with our bodies 
as well as just how our bodies are feeling in different situations, right? It's very important for us to listen to what our body is trying to tell us. And on a more external level, it's very important for us to also become aware of how we're perceived, right? How are we affecting those around us? Being that relationships are literally one of the best things you can do for a long life and for a happy life, it's very important for us to actually bring awareness and attention to how it is that we're showing up for others around us. So the first thing in terms of actionable steps that I would like to give for you is to take note, take note of how it is that you're being perceived by others, right? You can even ask people and just say, hey, um, you know, is there anything that I've been doing that's, you know, bothersome? Or, you know, maybe it's a thing where you just, um, you find out that you don't have that many friends or, uh, you know, people maybe aren't super happy around you. And um, instead of pointing a finger at people, you know, it's good for us to also look at ourselves and see what it is that we can do differently. Uh, because sometimes the problem can be us, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not always that way, but it's good for us to recognize that. So the first thing would be to really become aware of how it is that you're being perceived by others and see if there's any ways that you can improve how you're perceived and how you are showing up for others, right? Making sure that we are there for the people that matter to us, especially during the times when they really need it. And then the second thing in terms of awareness would definitely be to be very present, right? Actually take moments out of your day where you can sit down and just be present with your body, see how you're feeling, tap in, tap into your mental space as well. And I really personally love uh, when I'm able to sit down with some food, especially if it's just one single type of food, right? Like literally a banana or literally dairy, right? Something very specific and see how it reacts to your body. Does your body digest it properly? Do you feel bloated afterwards or do you feel energized and good and light and, you know, like it's setting really well in your stomach? These are very important feedbacks that we're getting from our body and it's absolutely crucial that we become aware of these. And then the second portion is going to be on stress. And stress is so massively important when it comes to our health because we have really poor, I would say, skills in terms of managing our stress and even being, once again, aware of our stress. As I had shared in this podcast episode, I had a moment where I finally took a beat to sit down and be quiet and actually get present with myself. And when I did that, all of the stress that I was under rose to the surface. And it was honestly very uncomfortable, but so good for me because once I become became aware of it, I was able to actually work on it and fix it, right? It's like they say, you can't heal it until you feel it. So you got to feel it to heal it. And it is really true. Uh, you know, when we are just go, go, go all the times and we're always distracting ourselves, it's very hard to be aware of the stress that we're actually under, which honestly, there's a lot of people who are, are under a ton of stress. Another way you can know if you are highly stressed is look at the way you're standing. Look at the way you're breathing, right? If you are literally just clenched up all the time, breathing only in your chest, not taking deep, full belly breaths, it's likely that you're probably pretty stressed. And it probably means that you need to do some deep breathing practices and some mindfulness practices 
to help lower that stress. Um, those are my personal favorites in terms of really managing stress are just taking a moment to be quiet and taking five to 10 or more, honestly, deep belly breaths. And when I say deep belly breaths, that means when you inhale, you're going to expand your belly because what that does is it draws air down into the lower parts of the lungs as you're going to really fill up all of your lungs. And then you're going to exhale and you're going to pull that belly in as you exhale, really expelling all the air out of your lungs. And then you're just going to repeat that cycle. This is going to help stimulate your vagus nerve. It's going to help to get you into a parasympathetic nervous system state, which means that you're going to be in your rest and relax state. This is absolutely crucial. And it's a really great practice to do before bedtime because obviously it gets you into your rest and relax state. So those are going to be the actionable steps for today. And like I said, I know there's other topics that we were co- that we covered in this show, but I'm going to keep it there for today's episode. And hopefully you all enjoyed this so, so much. If you did, please, it goes so far if you are able to share this with a friend, family, or a loved one who could really use this episode or this show. And even better, you could screenshot this show and go ahead and post it on Instagram in your stories and tag me. I love, absolutely, absolutely love seeing that. And of course, I will go ahead and share it and tag you in there and show, uh, send you a little thanks for doing that. And aside from that, everyone, go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. And also leave a rating and a review if you haven't already. It takes literally like 30 seconds. And if you do leave a written review on Apple Podcasts, I do read those and I love to see all the feedback. So uh, don't be a stranger. And once again, go ahead and check out those show notes if you haven't already to see all of our incredible uh, affiliates. For one, I really love Energy Bits and Organifi. They are like two of my non-negotiables that I have literally on the daily. Energy Bits with their chlorella and spirulina, providing over 40 plus different vitamins and minerals. That stuff is incredible. And once again, these are all whole food-based items, right? These are not just isolated vitamins. These are actual whole food sourced supplements that are going to really benefit the body and be easily recognizable. So go ahead and check those all out. Like I said, you're going to get 20% discount codes on pretty much all of the uh, different items in the show notes, except for the exception of one or two of them, which are going to be around 15%. But nonetheless, I try to get you all something. And that's just a thank you for being a listener to this show. So thank you all so much. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I will see you next Wednesday. Have a great one, y'all. Peace. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Evan Roberts is not a medical professional and this podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Statements and views expressed on this show are not medical advice. This podcast, including Evan Roberts and any guests on the show, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in this episode. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a medical professional. Thank you.